everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I've been talking about romance, and we've been saying around here that the Bible is the greatest romance novel ever penned. We love romance. We're enthralled by romance. It's like we have this romance with romance. We've fallen in love with falling in love. Today, it's gonna get hotter than fish grease up in this church. We're gonna get down and dirty. We're gonna hear some stuff that's so deep about romance, I'm not sure if we can contain it. It's that amazing because I'm simply opening up the Holy Bible, God's Word, these scriptures, And I'm going to tell you about a love story that is real and that is revolutionary. And I'm telling you, the principles are stuff we need to download into our lives. So I want all of us in all of our environments to to read this verse together. It's going to be behind me on the side screens. I mean, on on the screen behind me and also the side screens. It'll be at every one of our different campuses. So we're going to read it together. Are you guys ready? I'm talking about reading the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Let's read it together. A 1 and a 2 and a 3. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Father, give me your words to say to every person here. You've brought us here for a reason. You've caused this beautiful collision to happen because of your irrational, one-of-a-kind, romantic love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. You know that phrase, amen, means so let it be? That's what it means. People say amen. Now, here's a question. How many of you were here last weekend? If you were here last weekend, lift your hand. All right. How many of you were obedient to what we suggested? We said, don't read Ruth chapter 4. How many said, okay, Ed, I did not read Ruth chapter 4. You took me to the edge. You took me to the cliff. But you said, don't read Ruth chapter 4. How many obeyed? All right. How many, it's okay to confess we're in church. How many of us, because I read it, read chapter 4 this week? That's okay. We still love you. God still loves you. You don't have to worry about that. All right. We talked about something last week that was really cool. We talked about a little R&B. Rhythm and blues. It's a style of music, rhythm and blues. We learned that God is a God of rhythm. God has a rhythm for romance. And those of us who are wise run to the rhythm. We run to God's flow. We run to his plan. We go with God's grid. If we go against God's grain, we're going to pay the freight. Now, R&B is a style of music, but also R&B is the flavor and the feel of this romantic novel I'm going to share with you today, nestled in the book of Ruth. I'm talking about Ruth and Boaz. Ruth and Boaz, R&B. R&B. There are three main characters here as I give you the Wikipedia of the first three chapters of the book of Ruth. Stay with me. You got Naomi, you've got Ruth, and you've got Boaz. 
Those are the three characters. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. The central characters, R&B, Ruth, and Boaz. Why, I ask you, are we enthralled and enmeshed by romance? Well, I'll tell you, God is a God of the romance. Our romantic feelings, our romantic flow has been given to us by the God of the universe. He is our initiative-taking God. He's wired us to be attracted to the opposite sex, and he wants us to move in romance. But I'm talking about real romance. I'm, I'm talking about true love. I'm talking about stuff that, that, that many people want, but so few people have. I'm talking about R&B. Naomi had her family. The family lived in Bethlehem. What does the word Bethlehem mean? House of bread. There was a famine in the land. So she and her family, her husband and her two sons, moved from Bethlehem, from the house of bread, to a place that God said not to go. They went to Moab. Uh-oh, Moab. Read ungodliness. Read immorality. God said in Deuteronomy 23, don't mess around with the Moabites. Don't get mesmerized in Moab. Her family just went there. They really went there on a, on a brief stay, kind of got a, a, a working visa. Everything was cool. They thought they would cruise back when the food began to fall again in Bethlehem. But they were in Moab, and they stayed in Moab, and they really messed up in Moab. They went against God's grain for their lives. When you go to Moab, it'll keep you there longer than you want to stay. It'll take you further than you want to go, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Some of the time, eventually, all of the time. And some of you right now are going, Ed, dude, I'm in Moab. I understand, man. I, I am in Moab. Well, while they were in Moab, something happened. Naomi's husband died. Then her two sons married a couple of Moabite women. Her sons died. So you got now Moab being the house of blues. So they were in the house of bread, a little bit hungry because of a famine. Now they're in the house of blues and they got some food on the table. I would rather be going God's way on an empty stomach than going against God's grain in Moab and be full. They were in trouble. They were by themselves. Just Naomi and a couple of girls, her daughters-in-law. It was tough. Back in the day, if you were a woman, you didn't have jack. All the real estate, all the holdings were all tied up in this weirdness. Only the men had the power. So here's what Naomi decided to do. Naomi was like, you know what? I'm getting out of Moab. I'm going back from the house of blues to the house of bread. She was bitter. She was depressed, despondent downtrodden, and she told her two daughters-in-law to remain in Moab. Now check this out. What's this girl smoking, man? Why is Naomi telling her daughters-in-law to go deeper into Moab, deeper into idol worship, deeper into immorality? I don't know. One of the girls bolted. She, she went deep into Moab. The other one, Ruth. Oh man, she was hot. Ruth she stuck to Naomi like caffeine to a coffee bean. She's like, Naomi, we just read about it. Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your God 
is my God. Your people are my people. So they made their way back from the house of blues into Bethlehem, the house of bread, and take a wild guess what time of year it was. Springtime. April. The barley festival. The barley harvest. All the people were working in the fields collecting barley. Well, they didn't have jack. No money. Naomi was old. She couldn't get a man. I mean, she was just like worn out. Here's Ruth, young, beautiful, gorgeous. She goes, Naomi, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work behind the workers and when they drop the grain, I'll collect the grain and that'll be just enough to feed us. So she just, Ruth just arbitrarily picks a field and here this girl, Ruth, former beauty queen, at the zenith of her life, picking up excess barley. It was a bad day for her ladies. Allergies, nose running, barley all over her face, mascara all messed up, baseball cap on. She was at her worst. And guess who showed up? Big time Boaz. Oh yeah, big bucks Boaz, billionaire Boaz. Ladies, he was a total package. He was a godly man and he was rich. I know you love security. Come on, ladies. It's okay. It's okay. And Boaz was like, who is that babe? Who is that baby Ruth? I got to throw at least one cheesy joke in every time. Who is that babe, that, that, that hottie? Who, who is that girl who is working in the fields? Man, she is incredible looking. Chemistry. Wow. Ow. Well, who is that girl? You gotta have chemistry. Students, you gotta have chemistry. Those who are married, you gotta have chemistry. Chemistry's good. It's a God thing. God's given us chemistry. And our, our world says it's all about chemicals. It's just all about chemicals. It's just a chemical reaction. That's what love is. That's what romance is. It's just, just chemicals. It's just a scientific thing. That's what it is. That's what it is. Really? So we're dogs in heat. We're spawning salmon, deer in rut. That's what we are? Okay, yeah. I'm just an animal, right? Just a bunch of hormones. I'm just genitals. No, it's more than that. We're made in the image of God. We got chemicals. God's given us these chemicals. Now, now let me stop here. Chemicals are good. You got to have chemistry. What are the chemicals? They're tremendous. Testosterone. All the guys, come on, guys. Ah. Estrogen. Come on, girls. Ah. Come on, girls. Woo. Estrogen. King testosterone, queen estrogen. Two chemicals. And God says they're tremendous, but they can be treacherous. They can be explosive if we do them our way. And here's where so many people mess up in the dating game. They allow the chemicals to lead. They jump in the rack and in the sack, they start with organic chemistry, which is difficult, instead of starting with biology 101. God says, wait when it comes to sex. Wait when it comes to the explosive power of testosterone and estrogen. Wait, you only use those chemicals in the marriage bed. Oh man, but 
I'm going to go against God's law, Ed. I'm the man. I'm the girl. I got to do what I got to do. The law of gravity. What if I said, you know what? I'm going to defy the law of gravity. I know where there's a ladder, and I can climb up the side of this monstrous building, run across the top of the roof. Do you know we have our logo painted on our roof, Fellowship Church? Why, you ask? Well, we're right by DFW Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world. When people are flying, they're always thinking about eternity. <laughs> Even the pilots of a 777, man, they're thinking about eternity. I want them to glance down and go, oh, man, there's God's house. I might show up to that church one day. Anyway, I can run across the top of the roof and say to myself, I'm going to defy gravity and jump off. And for a nanosecond, I'd be like, wow, I'm defying the law of gravity. This is awesome. But <gasps> I would have an appointment with the pavement. You could say, you know what? I'm going to use testosterone my way. I'm a red-blooded man. I'm going to use estrogen my way. That's what it takes. You got to give it up to get a man. I'm going to defy God's law. Watch this. You run across the building, and for a little while, you're like, wow, I'm flying. This is awesome. Sex outside of marriage. This is cool. I'm doing it my way. I'm married, but I'm messing around. <gasps> you got an appointment with the pavement. You can't go against God's grain. And what's so cool about Ruth and Boaz is you got Ruth running to God's relational rhythm, doing it God's way. You got Boaz doing it God's way. And then you have Boaz, wow, the chemicals, wow, ooh, ah, yeah, whoa, it's, it's happening. But then he looked past the chemicals. But see, if you get the chemicals exploding before marriage, you, you have a great chance of walking down the wedding runner with the wrong person. It, it's just what God says. So we gotta, you know, we, gotta, we gotta trust God. He wrote the owner's manual. He wrote the romance novel. So God does not say no when it comes to sex. He goes, wait until covenant, until marriage. And that's what they did. They, they lived by God's directive. So they had lunch together. Boaz really liked her. And notice Boaz liked the way she worked her tenacity, her character. So then she collected some food, and then she comes home to Naomi. Naomi, look what I collected in the field. And Naomi's just like making small talk. She goes, well, girl, Ruth, where did you work? And Ruth's like, well, it was incredible. I was just working in this big old field, and I met this billionaire man of God named Boaz. Naomi was like, Boaz? <laughs> Ruth, this is this is crazy. He's one of our relatives. And then she began to download to Ruth the Leverite law. Stay with me. The Leverite law. Back in the day, the Leverite law said, if a husband died and left a childless widow, the next in line, the closest kin, would buy all the holdings. I'm talking about the real estate, the land, and marry the girl. Now, most of the time, this happened amongst brothers. So think about it. Man, you would, you would have some skin in the game as far as who your brother was dating. Oh, don't date that girl. She's crazy. Date her. Oh, I like her a lot. You date her. <laughs> anyway, Naomi was like, Naomi said, Ruth, you hit the jackpot. A godly man, a billionaire, 
Wow. Tell him that you want to marry him because you could feel the connection and, you know, she, she made herself available to him and, and, and he could have taken advantage of her. He could have done all this stuff. But he said, you know what? I'm doing it God's way. God, I'm going to trust you. The Leverite Law had something in it called the Kinsman Redeemer Clause. Say Kinsman Redeemer. Kinsman Redeemer. The closest of kin, right, would marry and buy all the real estate holdings of the family. That was the Leverite Law, the law of the Kinsman Redeemer. So everything looked good, and they were just getting ready to get married. Because, you know, every time you think about a romance, you always have the connection, the chemistry, and then you got the conflict, you got the chase, and then the choice, and then we want to say, I hope it works out okay. And then they lived happily ever after. Have you ever wondered why we like happy endings? And they lived happily ever after. Especially when it comes to romance, and they lived happily ever after. We're made for a sweet ending. We're made in the image of God. God wants us to live happily ever after in eternity. And some of you are facing a happily ever after eternity. Others of you have turned your back on God's love, you've gone your own way, and your forever doesn't look very good. But one of the beautiful things about God's romance novel is if you read the last page, it says, and we live happily ever after. Happily ever after. Well, the plot clots because Boaz thinks he's the man. He's the kinsman redeemer. He does some research, and he's like, oh, man, I'm not the closest. There's another guy. Ruth, this is terrible. I love you, girl. But there's somebody else who's closer. Now, again, Boaz had the serious coin. He could have gotten around the law. He could have defied God's law, but he knew better. He trusted God. I don't understand everything there is about God. I never will until I get to happily ever after. But sometimes we got to just trust. God, your ways are higher than my ways. I cannot wrap my little pea brain around the sovereignty of God. So here's what Boaz does. Boaz goes, Ruth, I'm going to get my big Boaz in gear, and I'm going to run to the, the Supreme Court of the land, and I'm going to make sure this thing works out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best, girl, to make you my wife. So big Boaz runs to the city gates. That's where all the business took place. And he sits down and begins to talk to them because he wants to be the kinsman redeemer, but he's not. There's somebody else closer. And to show you the beauty of God, while he's sitting at the city gates, who walks by the guy who's closest to Ruth? And Boaz goes, what's up, my brother from another mother? Come here, let's talk. So he begins to talk to the guy. He explains the deal to the guy. This guy's like, and hey, we don't know this guy's name. We have no idea who this guy's name is. He goes, I can't afford that. I can't pay that money for that land. I can't, I can't marry that girl. She, she would, and this would endanger my inheritance. I would, I would be in debt up to my eyeballs. So then this dude, this nameless dude, Takes off his shoe. That's what he did back in the day. Takes off his sandal. Gives it to Boaz. Signifying, Boaz, the land is yours. Take the turf. 
buy the real estate. Marry Ruth. Is this hot? Ruth and Boaz having pledged your faith in marriage by the giving and receiving of these rings, acting by the authority of the nation of Israel. I now pronounce you husband and wife in the presence of God and these assembled witnesses what God has joined together. Let no man separate. Do you want to go party? I mean, everything. Probably playing KC in the Sunshine Band back then. I don't know. But it was, it was great. It was amazing. And then, having my baby, she got pregnant. Had a baby. Let's name him Obed. So they named him Obed. And Obed became famous because he was the father of Jesse. Jesse in the lineage of David, in the lineage of Jesus. And everybody in the, in, in the town were like, oh, you guys can make Bethlehem famous. You guys can put the house of bread on the map. Who was born in Bethlehem? Who? Jesus. Wow. This is pretty deep. So Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, right? The word redeem or cost or buy is used 15 times in Ruth chapter 4. What does it mean? What's the definition of redemption, to redeem? It means to set free by paying a price. Say it with me. To set free by paying a price. Say it like you mean it. To set free by paying a price. That's what Boaz did. The details of the deal, to be the kinsman redeemer, you had to be close, right? You had to be close. You had to be connected. You had to have the currency. I mean, you had to have the cash money, the bank, to do the deal. And on top of that, you had to have the clout. Boaz chased this guy down. God put him in his path. He did the deal. He worked for it. And he sealed it five times. In Ruth chapter 4, it says, they sat down. I thought that was interesting. They sat down and, and just worked it out. It tells me very quickly that romance is transformational. Once you respond, once I respond to the romantic advances of God, it transforms our lives. God does from the outside, and then we bring him to the inside, and he transforms us from the inside out. It's transformational. Do you know him? Do you know the kinsman redeemer? I'm talking about Jesus. Romance is organizational. It's planned spontaneity. God's a God of order. Boaz was a man of order. Ruth, a woman of order. Obeying the laws, doing the deal. Trusting God, it's organizational. Romance goes to the next level in marriage. Yeah, a little bit of it in dating, but, but it goes to the next level in marriage. Don't get the cart before the horse. Romance is generational. Have you ever thought about the offspring? Have you ever thought about God's children? We're God's children. Think about the generational effect of 
romance. It's all about reproduction. You have the bridegroom and the bride. The bridegroom being Jesus, the bride being the church. You've got intimacy. What's the result of that? Reproduction. Obed. Wow, in the lineage of Jesus. Think about it. Boaz is a shadow, a type of Jesus. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. We're Ruth. All messed up in Moab. Jesus, though, has set us free by paying the price. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is he close? He became one of us. Does he have the currency? Wow, he spilled his precious blood on the cross for your iniquities and mine. Does he have the clout, the son of God, fully God and fully man? Death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus didn't worry like the other guy did that we don't know about, about his status. Wow, you know, if they, if they come into my family and, and, and their holdings and they become a part of, of my inheritance, man, it might, it might mess it up. No, 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 no. He said, you know what? Come on in. We're rich. We are rich in Christ. I'm talking about our kinsman, Redeemer. What did Jesus say after he died on the cross for our sins? It is finished. He sat down just like the people did in the book of Ruth. It's all about romance. You'll never understand romance, nor will I, until we understand the romance of God. Well, what was Boaz doing? Boaz was preparing everything for his bride. He was the groom. Ruth was the bride. He was preparing everything for that bum, 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 for the wedding. You see, there's a romance going on right now in our land. The bridegroom, Jesus, is getting his bride ready for the wedding. And the Bible says, in the ever after, bum, 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 you'll have the wedding going on. You'll have the culmination of the romance going on. It's the bride and the groom coming together. That's romance. Have you, have, you, um, have you responded to Christ's love? Have, have, have you received his love? Do you, do you know him? I said, do you know him? Because he's brought you here for a reason this weekend. You're listening to my voice for a reason this weekend. You've been romanced. You've been wooed. You've been sought and bought by the irrational, one-of-a-kind love of Jesus, and you can respond right now to the romantic advances of the God of the universe. What's the Bible about? God and me. That's what it's about. It's a bunch of love letters to you and me. But Ed, you don't understand how deep I am in Moab, brother. I, I, I've, I've, got this, I've got this cocaine habit. You don't understand, man. I, 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 I messed up with alcohol. I, I am addicted to porn. You don't understand. I am I'm committing serial adultery. You don't understand. I've done this. My, my life is a lie, Ed. 
I don't know what you're into. I mean, sin is my business, but I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know what you did last night or last week. But I do know this. The God of the universe wants to meet you right where you are, and he'll change your life. I can't change it. God will. It's transformational. It's organizational. It's generational. Won't you receive him? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. God, some people need to pray to make you their Lord. God, you're our kinsman redeemer. The picture of Boaz and Ruth, a real story, but it's a picture of you, Jesus, the groom and the bride. Are you going to continue to live in Moab? Or are you going to turn from Moab and say, I'm going to the house of bread? John 6, 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Have you received the bread? How do you do that, Ed? By saying this, by saying, you know what? I've messed up. I've screwed up. I've dropped the ball. I turn from Moab and turn to you, Jesus. I believe you're the bread of life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And right now, just say that right now, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Transform me. Change me. Because Jesus has done the deal. He's already done the work. It's your choice. I can't make you do it. It's your choice. Just like it was Ruth's choice to respond to Boaz. It's your choice. It's my choice. We're created in God's image and His likeness. We have a choice. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Many of you need to say it. The evil one himself is trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He doesn't want you to discover the best. He doesn't want you to live in the ever after with God. He does not want you to discover God's grid. All of us who know Christ personally, let's pray for these who need to make this decision. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, take control of me. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.